I, I understand Sunday night and the role, and, 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 and I, I know that my position, what it, what it might be, there is a certain expectation. And perhaps you are a guest here tonight. I'm so thankful that you're here, and we want to welcome every guest in this house. And the Lord um, spoke to me through obscure um, narratives and then opened up what it would be a curtain to me about our church and about the night. And I would suppose that there are some of our members that are watching online and I welcome you tonight and I hope that you'll uh, pay careful attention to what I will present. There is an evangelist in me full of fire and um, Holy Ghost. And uh, I, don't, I don't mind walking on the back of the seats. I've done that. And next week I might try it again, see if I don't fall. I don't mind laying hands on people and praying the prayer of faith, rebuking whatever and taking dominion. If the Lord so directs, But whatever the Lord directs, it's imperative that I follow, regardless of how I feel, what he feels. I've worshipped many times, not because I felt like it, but because I felt that the Lord wanted me to do it. I've engaged in things that I wasn't sure about, but I knew it was the direction of the Holy Ghost. I I think we've got to get in tune with direction of the Holy Ghost. And follow what the Spirit has to say. Whatever that amounts to, um, he'll anoint it if he has commissioned it so. And all the people said amen. Praise God. So we read from the book of Exodus chapter 36 tonight. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And we'll... We'll begin with verse 8. Amen. Are you ready? Exodus chapter 36 and verse 8. Then all the gifted artisans among them who worked on the tabernacle made ten curtains woven of fine linen and of blue, purple, and scarlet thread with artistic designs of the cherubim. They made them. So portions of the curtain, they will embroider the cherubim. Verse 9. The length of each curtain was 28 cubits and the width of each curtain four cubits. The curtains were all made the same size. And he coupled, joined five curtains to one another, and the other five curtains he coupled to one another. Verse 11. He made loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain on the selvage of one set or the material. Likewise, he did on the outer edge of the other curtain of the second set. Aren't these wonderful scriptures? Don't you love this? 
would you post them somewhere? Would you just post this whole? Exodus 36, 12. 50 loops he made on one curtain and 50 loops he made on the edge of the curtain on the end of the second set. The loops held one curtain together. And he made 50 clasps of gold and coupled the curtains to one another with the clasp that it might be one tabernacle. Amen. Now, I, I don't know if you've already highlighted this passage, but if you have, you are really walking in the Spirit, I can tell you right now. Amen. I'm going to talk to you tonight about loops of yarn and clasp of gold. Amen. And we'll just see what the Lord has for us. I'm looking at the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. And all the people said amen. Now put your Bibles down. And if you join with me, and I want you to out of your belly, out of your gut, out of the innermost part, I want you to pray that God would do great things and restore many people. I want you to pray this prayer. You ready? Restore the church to its rightful place. (laughs) Now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Father in heaven, I come before you tonight. You have ordained it and commissioned it. You saw it and established it. You said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I pray. Would you have begun in us, finish the work, Lord, I pray. And let the church find its rightful place. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of the most holy God, I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now we'll pray again. With your hands lifted up, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Restore the church to its rightful place, what you have commissioned it to be. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Let the glory of God manifest itself tonight. Let it be in this building, I pray. Let the Holy Ghost fall in every hearer of the word, in Jesus' name. And let the people of their own admission cry out to you lord let them from their own hearts lord seek for you and hunger for you lord i pray it in the name of jesus christ hallelujah 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 jesus hallelujah jesus hallelujah jesus we magnify you we magnify you lord we magnify you lord I know the Lord will make a way. Yes, He will. He will 
for me and for you. I know the Lord will see us safely through. Because I know the Lord will make a way. Yes, he will. Come on, put your hands together. I know the Lord will make a way. Oh, yes, he will. Hey. away yes he will oh yes he will come on say yes he will oh he'll make a way ah, for me and for you I know the Lord will see you safely through because I know the Lord oh yeah will make a way yes he will Come on, yeah, come on, say, come on, say, yes, he will, yes, he will, say, yes, he will, yes, he will, yes, yes, he will, yes, he will, yes, he will, I know the Lord will make a way, yes, he will. Just so you know, we're not Protestant. This is not a Protestant church. It's not a Catholic church. It's not a Protestant church. Because when Martin Luther had an issue and he wrote out all of his complaints and nailed them to the Westminster door, he was in protest. But we were never in protest because that's not where we came from. We, didn't, we weren't the backslidden Catholics. We were the apostolics that originated on the day of Pentecost. I was never in protest. I'm not a Protestant. I'm an early church believer that there's one God and his name is Jesus. My birth was not there. My birth was in Pentecost. That's where the church began. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Now look, you're in the church. You can have whatever you want tonight. The Holy Ghost is here. If you need a healing, even if I'm not on the subject, you can get a healing. I, I, let me just ask you while you're standing. Do, do we have to preach about it for you to want it and receive it? You can receive a healing and restoration if I'm talking about something else because the Lord's in the house. If he comes down, he can do everything that you need him to do. 
I proclaim healing services just to give us an expectation that you'll be healed. But you don't have to wait for a healing service to have, have your body healed and your mind strengthened and a restoration in you. And have it right now. Amen. Okay. Praise God. <laughs> I'm, I feel the Holy Ghost. If I feel the Lord is, is doing his perfect work right now. He's doing his perfect work right now. Just, just by a show of hands, and don't do it arbitrarily just I, because I ask you, because this won't apply to everybody. But if you do know that the Lord has restored you, and, and you know he restored you because you were in a deficit, but he restored you, just put your hand up and just say, the Lord restored me. He restored me. Change me. Amen. Now, I wonder how many people, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but you're in process. <laughs> Come on. Let me, let me help you with that. You're in process. You're not where you were, but you're not where you need to be, but you're in process. But you, you're going to stay with the process. I'm, I'm not done yet. I'm, I'm not where I need to be, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. All right. I know you're here. Thank you. You may be seated. And I hope that I'm far from your expectation. It's my... It's the word. Hey, bud. A lost child on aisle... Three. Zach, oh, there we go. Hey, praise God. <laughs> Joseph dies. And there is a time lapse between his fame, and some incoming king. Joseph is snatched from a royal prison, spending two years there. He helped two other prisoners with dreams. One regained his place in the king's court. And he was supposed to remember Joseph, but 
once he got out of jail, he forgot his pledge to Joseph. The Bible doesn't give us clarity, only perhaps that Joseph has lost his hope to be found by the friend that he had, that he'd helped. By the time Joseph came into power, the, the, the kingdom was in, in good shape, but after the interpretation of the dream, seven years of plenty, and then the plenty started to come, Joseph had authority only because he interpreted a dream, but not because of any other major thing, just that there was a lot of food. In the good times, the prophet is never really known. It wasn't until the famine that they were thankful for Joseph. In fact, in the famine, the Bible says they forgot even the years of plenty. Because when you're in that kind of famine, you don't even remember if it was ever good. But Joseph had stored up so much grain that the known world came to eat out of his hand. Perhaps even literally. He saved Egypt. In fact, he gathered the wealth of surrounding nations when he was giving away or selling the grain, even their land and their crops and their own cattle and their oxen. They were hungry. They would do anything for food. And the Pharaoh that presided over him, the only one, though Joseph had the signet ring, he was grateful and Joseph made him a very wealthy king. But when Joseph died, there's a lapse, and they did not remember his um, fame. They didn't, they didn't remember what he had done. And the children of Israel grew into a massive group of people. The new Pharaoh then is moved by fear. He looks out to see all of these people. There's a, I'm going to rebuke that. It won't be the first fly I've killed with my Bible. It's not the devil. God rest his soul. Pay attention. Because I'm having a hard time. And the Pharaoh looked down and he saw all these people and he just was gripped thinking that there would be a coup if they would rise up. The sheer number of the Israelites could overwhelm the Egyptians. And so he oppressed them. He conscripted them. It was an embattlement of the whip against the back. And in that came the groanings of the people until God raised up one of his own. And Moses will enter the scene. When Moses enters the scene, he's 80 years old. (laughs) He knows the courtyard very well. He's walked down those same corridors of that kingdom 
even as a child and through his many years, 40 years living as a prince. But now he comes back and there's another pharaoh. He knows all the ways. He knows their languages and their customs, their apparel. He knows how to enter and what to say. He knows the players in the king's court. Upon all of the many famines and plagues and things that gripped them, none rose higher than the final one until finally Egypt will groan and they will beg the Israelites to leave. And when they left, they left with, with many things, with the wealth of, of Egypt, loaded down in carts. Now, this story that I'm telling you has been repeated a million times over and over and over and over again. In fact, the Bible repeated even through the Psalms. And when they get out, and they, they found their way out, they, they journey. And as they journey, they come to a place where now they have no water. And it's a place called Mara, and, and, and the water is bitter, and, and God restores it. And then after 50 days, finally they find their place at Sinai, and God gives a law to them. But then after the law, there's something else that God wants to do. He wants a visitation with his people. This visitation is critical. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the church in the wilderness. It's the church in the wilderness. It's led by a prophet, no less, Moses. A leader, a lawgiver. And God then instructs Moses. And there's conversations between God and Moses. In fact, God said, to others I speak in riddles and cloudy mixes of Messages, but to Moses I speak face to face. And then God gave Moses an ordinance, a, 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 a manuscript, a, a diagram. It's, it's much like that of, of Noah, where, where, where God gives Noah this, this plan of the ark, and God gives Moses the plan of the tabernacle. Amen. And this tabernacle is... It's a type. It's a type and shadow of so many things. The tabernacle is a type of the New Testament gospel. That's what it is. It has major furnishings, artifacts in it. It has an altar where there's death. It has a molten sea where there's a washing. It has... It has the Ark of the Covenant where there's, there's a resurrection. There's a cloud of glory. It's, it mirrors Acts chapter 2 verse 38. It, it is, it is in, in kind and in likeness of John chapter 3. It's, it's, it's in fact what Paul would have preached in Acts, Acts 19 and what Peter would have delivered in Acts chapter 10. This likeness, it's all found there in the, in the tabernacle plan. There are furnishings in the tabernacle. There are seven pieces of furniture there. There's the Ark of the Covenant. It's considered one piece. The mercy seat is considered a different furnishing, though it rested on top of the Ark. The menorah, or the golden candlestick. The table of showbread, the molten sea, which is called the bronze labor. It's a, it's a place where they washed. The altar of sacrifice, where burnt offerings were made, and then the altar of incense. And we know those mostly, maybe not in all. But we know those. On the exterior, it's not well known because you have this large 75 feet by 150 feet 
tabernacle, most of it's courtyard, but then you got the holy place, and over the holy place, it's covered. The most outer layer of the holy place is, is made of hides of sea cows, which produced a, a, a waterproofing substance. It, the water would roll off of it. But it also acted as a camouflage. It was hiding the rich interior from the enemies that would pass by. It made it so that it looked bland and it wasn't very enticing. Then the next layer under, underneath those, those sea cow hides was ram skin. It was dyed in red. It was covered up. You didn't even really ever see the ram skin. That red interior was hidden. And then came the third layer, which was goat hair. And finally, the fine twisted linen, blue, purple, and scarlet threads, which were embroidered together. The holy place was inside the movable curtains of the tabernacle. It it held crossbars and upright frames and It was sitting on silver bases, and the posts were of cashew wood. Some of them were overlaid with gold. The veil separated the holy place from the most holy place. The pieces, all of them were held together. Some were made of fabric. They were loops of yarn. They blended in with the fabric from which it was made. But there were other pieces, a clasp of gold. It stood out from the rest. One blended and the other declared itself. One was in simplicity and the other in celebration, but both had the same function. We know of the furnishings, at least some of them, the table of showbread, the the, the golden lamp, maybe not so much. The altar of incense, really not at all. Most people couldn't name all of these, but, but, but they are notable. The fabric and the loop, however, they are a sideline function, yet they serve a particular purpose None of the items, whether of gold or of thread, none of them were there by their own means or from other, for some other reason. From the outer skins, bland and faded, to the overlay of gold, cherubims gracing the mercy seat, all of it had a purpose and all of it pointed to the ultimate function of the atoning blood of an innocent lamb. That was the reason for the holy place. For the tabernacle and for the holy of holies. The four bronze poles that held together the gate of the court, they called it. It might not have looked important, or at least it wasn't that important. It wasn't as important as the veil, they might argue. But but the gate of the court and the material upon which that gate was made. It was an entry that that was prescribed by God, but it was for one function. The function was, it would be part of the whole plan. Because once a year, God was going to come down in a cloud and consume the blood of an innocent lamb. And I'll submit that when the cloud came to consume the blood on the mercy seat, neither the claps of gold or the loop of yarn compared to it. There was no comparison to that. When their sins were removed from them, the things which made up the tabernacle were necessary, but they were not greater than the atoning blood and the consumption of the blood. The greater has always been the forgiveness of sins. The greater was always the manifestation of the glory of God. But the loops and the yarn and the clasp was critical. And it made up, the Bible says, the tabernacle. The greater has always been 
baptisms of water and spirit. So says Jesus. Because he said to Nicodemus, you can't even enter into the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again of the water and the spirit. You can read it in John chapter 3. That's right. Peter would come to write, just as Noah was saved by water, even so baptism saves us. Jesus did not get baptized because he had sinned. He was baptized to set an example for all of us. Amen. I'm confident in the Bible's doctrine. I'm, I'm certain of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm emphatic about the oneness of God and the dual nature that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. I've read Isaiah 9 and 6 too many times to know his name shall be called Everlasting Father. I know when they said, show us the Father, we'll be pleased. And Jesus said, when you see me, Philip, you've seen the Father. That Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. I'm confident in that. If I'm concerned about anything, it's not, it's not the gospel. It's not the doctrine. It's the church. Oh. Yeah. So I'll read a little bit for you. 1 Corinthians 12. This is another version just for clarity's sake. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, They form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the ear would say, well, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. It's still part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. (laughs) I'll read. This This is in your Bible. And the parts that we think that are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, like your face... Other parts need to be covered up. Fill in the blank. But God has combined the members of the body. Oh. And has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffer, everything suffers. If you don't believe that, smash your toe with a hammer. And you can feel it in your head. And go to bed tonight and you, your heart has dislodged itself from your chest. And now your heart has squeezed itself into your big toe. Can I get one witness in this place at least? If one part suffers, everything suffers. And if one part is honored, uh-oh, 
Every part ought to honor and rejoice. If one part succeeds, then everybody is succeeding. If one of you guys gets a new truck, I feel like I got one too. Amen. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. You may be a clasp or a loop, but you make up the body. And if the body starts to determine itself and its worth by its position, then the church is lost. I think it's time for the church to get back to being the church. The matter before us is about the body. Not the Lord, not his blood, not his power, not his authority, not his spirit. He has given all of that to the body, the church. There's nothing that the Lord has left out. If we're missing something, it's not because he's withholding it from us. His blood has been shed and his name has already been delivered. His name is Jesus. So you have the blood, you have the name, you have the word. But what about the body? Until the church becomes a body, the calling of it will be left undone. Until the church becomes a body, there will be sickness without a cure. Pastors throughout the last many years have been asking me different words of advice. I I don't know how to answer them. One pastor had me come and we just sat for three days in his office. And we just talked the whole time. And his church was growing and his and his and his uh, building was a little tight, and he started to talk about what was happening over a period of time. And finally, I started to say, well, I don't know, uh, I, I, don't, I really don't know what the protocols will be about this, but let me just talk scripture with you. There is a body. You have a church body. Now, there are some places where they can do multiple church services, and that's okay, but each multiple church service has to comprise of a body. But in his particular case, and in other cases, the problem is when they divided and they split apart, there were people with certain gifts in the church that didn't come on that service. And so the body was missing something. Some folks had a gift of faith. Well, that gift of faith wasn't represented. I don't know why. Maybe it should have been. All I'm saying is that the body wasn't together. The body's got to be together. The body has to be together. The church when the church gets back to being the body, we, have no, we, we won't have any needs among us because every joint, every need is supplied. I'm not talking about financial needs. I'm talking about the needs that you really need. It's internal. Some of them are intangible. Some of them are words of encouragement. Some of them are laying out of hands. Some of you walk in here and you may not admit to it, but you have the gift of healing. And you need to exercise that among the body. Now, I know everything's got to be done decently and in order, but if the body doesn't get back to being, if we don't get back to being the church, what we're going to end up doing is trying to bring in specialists to fill the deficit that does not exist. And the body comprises of a lot of people. Follow me as I follow Christ. I want you to do that. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm just taking it right from Paul. However, I'm following Christ. That does not mean that you have to wear the same kind of clothes I wear. You might like polyester. It stretches. I don't know. You might like cotton. It's crisp. But follow me as I follow Christ. We may not eat the same food. I know what some of you like to eat. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. 
You might know what I like to eat. You're not a fan of what I like. But let's, let's be together because we're a body. We got to have room for everybody. We have to room for different personalities in the church. As long as we understand we're part of the body, let there be diverse personalities. What is it to you if there are diverse personalities? Let them come in. Oh. I want to know, is there room at this house for people that are a little quirky? Little crazy, little off? Huh? Everybody, everybody's got to be the same thing? What? No, you're a body. All, 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 all the quirky people. Come on, my little crazy people, where are you at? Say, yeah, you got me, Pastor. There's room in the church for you. Got to be room in the church for all kinds of people that come into the house. Because you're a church, you're a body. And you might say, well, well I, don't, I don't feel really good about myself. Listen, you are important and, and the function is not your position. The purpose of the church is to see the glory of God manifest. So whether you are a bronze or you are a gold or you are a loop or you are a clasp, we're all here to entertain the glory of God. Not ourselves. Here's the damage of the church because people are not like us. We talk about them. You are hurting your own body. Something's wrong with a person that picks up a stick and beats their leg every day. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Something's wrong in your brain. You've lost your mind if you inflict pain on your own self. But when you do that in the body of Jesus Christ, you're hurting the body. You are the church. Love one another. Say, I'm grateful. I'm thankful you're there. I'm glad you're there. You're holding up something there. The glory of God is coming because we're together. Listen, this thing that I'm preaching about is far greater than just this local assembly. But every apostolic that believes in the truth, we are part of the great church. It will be the church triumphant. Amen. Now, I didn't leave the crazy talk. I think we got to get back to a little quirky thing going on here. Because for several weeks we had a gentleman come and while I was preaching he'd yell out amen real loud from the back row. It disturbed several people. I wasn't disturbed except I was wondering why anyone didn't join him. I was saying the truth. You're listening. He's shouting amen. Preacher, preacher. I'm, I'm, this is good for me. Good for me. You could have said something but you didn't. Well, I don't know why he's so loud. Well, because he thinks the word is good. Let me tell you who you are. You're those people who said to Bartimaeus, be quiet. You're making too much noise. And Bartimaeus said, Jesus, the son of mercy, have, son of David, have mercy upon me. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Hold on a second. Ha, ha, ha.
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm okay with you being stoic. I'm okay with you being stoic as long as you're okay with them being demonstrative. I'm okay with you thinking about it, taking notes on it. I'm all right. It's good. I'm happy about that. Thank God. You remind us what we said. If you're okay with someone else saying, oh, I don't even need to go any further. I just got to get up and shout glory to God. That's all I need to hear today. Because you skipped over Exodus 36. You say, well, those are just pieces of a, of a larger thing. That's right. That's part of the body of Jesus Christ. That's part of the body of the church. That's our family. It's our family. We are brothers and sisters. This is our family. It's your family. Stop looking at the people... Like those are the people you go to church with and start looking at them as your family. That's your brother. That's your sister. Uh-huh. That's right. That's your family. That's your aunt, your uncle, grandparents. Talk to those older people. Talk to them. They might include you in the inheritance. You don't know. Don't be ignorant. Stop talking to your peers. They've got nothing. Stop asking one another and go to the elder. They're all around you. And they'll give you wisdom that you can't get from a book. This is the body. If you're having a little marriage trouble, go find a marriage that looks like it's doing pretty good. And then ask them, I know you've been married a long time. How'd you make it? If they say, we don't really know, go to someone else. Find a hard-working man, a hard-working lady, and emulate them. It's the body. If someone is in need of prayer, don't shrug it off and walk away. Because if they're suffering, you may not know it, but if you're part of the body, you're also suffering. And if you're not suffering, you're not part of the body. You're just a member of a church. And there's a lot of members and very few people that are part of a body. But if someone gains and someone triumphs, you should stand up and say, I'm so glad we got a new truck. Man, I I wish the church would just come alive and say, I'm so glad we got a better job this week, did you? Yes, we all did. We got healed this week. We got delivered this week. We were restored this week. You know the body was. It's the church. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm preaching against individualism. I'm preaching against autonomy. I'm preaching against people who say, I'm shy. You're not shy, that's pride. 
get up out of your chair and lay hands on somebody. And if you don't, you don't know how to do it, just grab them by the hand and say, can I just pray for you and lay hands on you? Because it's part of the body. It's one of the original doctrines, the laid on of hands. Amen. Loops of yarn all cloaked together because the loop of yarn there, the best pictorials that we have, the loops of yarn are almost obscure because the curtain and, and the fabric is made out of the same, the yarn's made out of the same fabric. So it's all woven together. You don't really know where it's at. It joined together in such a way that it almost looks seamless. But the loops are there tying the pieces together. And, and, and they're kind of camouflaged and concealed there because they just look like the whole part. But if you, if you take out the loops of yarn, everything falls down. They, they don't look like they're anything. They don't even appear to be there. But if you remove those, then everything just collapses. That's not how it's supposed to be. They, they don't look, they're, they're not part of the furnishings. It's, it has no gold overlay. It's, it's not a table of showbread. There's, there's no water there. It's just, it's just part of the fabric, but it's critical to the construct of the tabernacle. And the same way the clasp of gold held the curtain. Now tell me why. Tell me why we both hold the curtain, but you get to be gold and I have to be yarn. <laughs> that's not fair. I'm going to tell you what, that's a, that's, a, that's a terrible American word. It's creeped into the church and everybody knows, everyone wants to know what's fair. What's fair? But that the glory of God might be made manifest is the answer to what's fair. But that the glory of God might be known among all the people. You've suffered. You've gone through trouble. Let the glory of God be made known through you. And rise up and say, I'm thankful that I'm part of a body of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to say something here. It's going, to, it's going to have a little sting to it. I'm not trying to, to do that, but I need to say it. If you're dying of an incurable disease, then show the body how to die with the Holy Ghost. If you are not going to be saved by miracle or medicine then show the body how to love God when your foot steps from one firmament to another. Show us. Show the body how to go through sickness and love him and adore him and say, Lord, I want to be healed, but whatever your will is, thy servant is right here. You see, you're not going to hear that in the evangelical world because they're selling you something that does not exist. He's a good God, a great God. No matter what you're going through, he's still a good God and still a great God. You may be low and down and suffering and weak, but he's still a good God. He's just as good when you have nothing as he is when you have everything. (laughs) 
Oh yes, I've come to magnify his name. Come join with me, my brothers and sisters. Let us magnify him. Come, oh magnify the Lord with me. With me. Where is the body? Here is the body of Jesus Christ. Whatever role that you're playing, play it to the best of your ability. Whatever giftings you have, give them to the body of Jesus Christ. If you're apt to teach, teach. I think everyone can pray, but I will say that there is something about intercessory prayer. It takes time to develop, but if you know how to do it, then pray intercessory prayer. That means you pray on the behalf of someone. You intercede. And when this house becomes the church, like God intends for it to be, we'll be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and to one another. And we'll find someone and we'll pray the appropriate prayer over their life. And God will help them and change them and bless them. And he'll bless you for caring for one another. I don't know what it's like to lose a child. I don't know what that's like. But I've been with many mothers and fathers who have lost babies and children and young people. So all I can do is love them and hug them and tell them that I am praying for them and then actually pray for them. That's all I can do. But when they go through those horrible moments, there's something inside of me that goes there too. I know it's not the depth of what they're feeling. I know that. So I never say, I understand. But I do say, I'm with you in this. Because there's heartache and pain. And if you've ever been rejected by anyone close to you, there's a cut to your spirit. I want you to know, I feel it with you. It's not all just about what the world would think of us, but it really, it's perfecting the love of the Lord within the body that helps us to be the great witness to the world. And some of us here have different personalities. And I'm asking you, put on a garment of maturity. It's okay that their personality is different than yours. Tammy likes to fish and the boys like to fish. I I brought them fishing one time. It was to a stocked pond where they feed the fish. It was easy fishing. But just to go sit out there and cast your line and bring it back in and cast it and bring it back in. Come on, I know there's a bunch of fishermen out there and fisher ladies. <laughs> you don't mind. That's just a wonderful thing. You don't catch anything. You have a bite. No, almost. Man, that to me, that's a failure. But if that's what, it's okay. It's okay. 
accommodate. It's good. Our purpose is the glory of God. Make room. I'm not talking about in the seat, but make room for people with diverse backgrounds and all kinds. You don't know what they've gone through, what they're going through. You may be where you want to be. They may be in process. Some of them may not have started. You thought they did, but they didn't. It's okay. You can be part of the body of Jesus Christ. You can be part of the church of New Life Fellowship. This is a church of Jesus Christ. It's the body. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to. Listen. All, all of the people that have emotional duress in their lives, you don't always talk about it. There's other people in the church that have it. All the mothers and fathers, you, one, of, one of your children or maybe several, of, they've left the truth. There's other people. They're suffering from that. You, you may not join with them physically, but join with them in prayer and say, I'm, I'm praying with you for your children. You pray with me for my children. You pray for my healing. I'm praying for your healing. Come on, body of Jesus Christ. Come come on, body of New Life Fellowship. Come on, church. Let's be the church here.